We'll read from John 10, 1 through 18. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to speak from the floor today. You may um, have realized I have a cold, and so this makes me a lot more comfortable. I can control this mic, and if my voice gives out completely, I'm going to hand the mic to Bill Campbell, and uh, here's my notes. Yeah, and you can take off, Bill. Um, but here we go. We're, we're beginning today, actually, a new series, and for those of you who are into series and uh, titles of series and things like that, I thought I'd just introduce that to you. Uh, the new series we're in is called Crossroads. Um, the idea is that in the first semester, we were in a series called Encounters with Jesus, and in the second semester, from now leading up to Easter, we want to entitle it Crossroads, um, and that is intersections that Jesus and his disciples had his teachings and the episodes in his life that lead step by step to the cross. So this morning we begin with one of those intersections that lead to the cross. Jesus was at a festival and he introduces an idea that he has not introduced before to his disciples or to anyone else. It's the image of a good shepherd. Now it's interesting to me that John says this was a figure of speech because John doesn't usually say things like that, nor do the disciples. They just say what Jesus told them. But it's as though he wants you to know that it was a figure of speech. And in a manner of speaking, he says, Jesus describes himself 
as the good shepherd. So when you hear of a figure of speech, you may ask yourself, uh, if you haven't asked yourself this, I'm asking it for you, what would they have thought when they heard this figure of speech? What I mean is, what image might have come to their mind when Jesus said, I'm a shepherd, I'm a good shepherd? Well, probably an image would come to mind of a lean young man, maybe not young, maybe older, but someone who was rather weather-beaten and someone who had particular things a part of his dress, his attire, that other people might not always have had. A shepherd, inevitably, would have had with him a staff and a rod. And those two things were used for a very specific purpose, one to reach out with a hook on the end of it to grab a sheep who was close to a precipice or keep him from going into a place of danger. The other was actually, well, let's just call it a club that the shepherd had. It wasn't that long, maybe about this long, often attached to his belt. And at the end of the club was a a very thick part of the branch that it was cut from. It was knobby and big. It really was a club. And sometimes embedded in that club were sharp objects, say, for instance, of metal. And that particular club was used to protect the sheep. An image of a shepherd that would have come to mind also would have included, well, sort of like a backpack, let's call it. But it wouldn't be a backpack, really. It would be, it would be a bag. And inside that small bag, the shepherd would have his supplies, his sustenance. He may have some, some stones in there, but it's more likely he would have picked them up wherever he was to use them. But inside the bag, he would have had things like bread and nuts, and perhaps dates, and dried fruit to feed himself while he was out basically in the wilderness. In addition to that, he may have had a goat skin that had water in it to make sure that he could move from one place to the other without dehydrating. There was at least one other item that every shepherd had that a person who heard this image would have thought of. It would be a sling. A sling was... Again, part of the protection for the sheep and the shepherd. And what was remarkable about first century shepherds with their sling, and even today, apparently in the Middle East, you can find the same thing. The shepherd's sling was, well, it was a projectile of sorts when he used it. It was like a gun. And the accuracy of the sling with these shepherds was just about as accurate as a gun. Within a hairbreadth, they could drop a stone. And when I say drop a stone, I don't mean drop it, I mean throw it so it could hardly be seen. You know, that sling might bring to mind in your mind something that they thought of, the shepherd's sling with David. I don't mean to diminish David. That was a remarkable story, slaying Goliath. But what I do want to recognize is this, it was no big deal. I mean for David to be that accurate. To take down a man 10 feet tall who had his body entirely covered with armament except for a small portion of his head. That's how good a shepherd was with this sling. He could put a stone on a dot. Shepherds would have looked like that. And that's the image that these folks would have had in mind when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. 
Another image they might have had in mind are previous shepherds from Israel because the idea of a good shepherd was an important part of Israel's history. They might have thought of Moses or Elijah or one of the prophets who were called shepherds. But you know what they might also have thought of? They might also have thought of false shepherds. Shepherds of Israel. They claimed to be shepherds but were not good shepherds. And Jesus says something about them. He says, all the shepherds that came before me were not true shepherds. They were false shepherds. Now, I didn't mean Moses and Elijah and the prophets. He meant a whole host and actually thousands of people who had come along claiming to be Messiah, claiming to lead them in the right direction. And Jesus says, all those people who preceded me were false shepherds. They were about themselves. I'm about God and I'm about you. I think there's something interesting about Jesus' use of a shepherd very specifically. He didn't allow bad images of shepherds to eclipse the metaphor of shepherds. In other words, he didn't say, you know, there's a lot of bad shepherds out there, so I'm not going to use this image. Jesus had a way of claiming images or reclaiming images. And he used many of them concerning God. As a matter of fact, the most often used image concerning God in Israel and in Christendom is God our Heavenly Father. There are other images that are used as well. We even hear Jesus describe God as like a mother hen who surrounds her chicks. We hear Jesus as the image of an elder brother. We hear Jesus used with the image of friend. We hear Jesus used with the image of king. Every single one of those images has its problems, doesn't it? I know of dictators who were kings. I know of fathers who were abusive. I know of mothers who neglected their children. I didn't know, but I could have known about shepherds who were awful shepherds. But Jesus claims what is real about life and uses it as a metaphor to help us understand himself. Just a caution for all of us. Let's not dispense with images because we have personal trouble with them. Let's explore the depth of every image in spite of our particular personal trouble with the image, to understand the depth of the nature of God. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. There were other people who were not good shepherds, but I want you to follow me. Now, there's lots of things that could be said about this passage. It's rich with imagery. It's rich with truth. But I want to mention just three things. First, Jesus says that the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. It's not as though they're just sheep out there on the hill. They're not a group of sheep. They're individual sheep. It's often said that even today, Middle Eastern shepherds will know their sheep and call each one of them by a particular name, a nickname. Perhaps the way they walk, perhaps their height, perhaps their weight, perhaps the spots on their, on their wool. They know their sheep by name and they name them. But the sheep also know the shepherd, says Jesus. The sheep know the shepherd's voice, and they follow the shepherd's voice. If you hear my words, Jesus says, follow me, and if you follow me, you're my sheep. 
Don't be distracted by other voices. Listen to my voice. I was studying this week about sheep and shepherds and recalled what I'd heard before that shepherds are great about calling their sheep and they have particular calls for their sheep. Uh, one traveler in Israel said that he was uh, walking along and watching shepherds and on one occasion the shepherds had taken their sheep into a, a cave uh, overnight for protection and at the end of the night and the beginning of the day the shepherds were standing outside the cave and, and the sheep were just kind of milling around in there and he thought to himself, I wonder how the shepherds know which one are theirs and I wonder how the sheep know the shepherd. And he said, one of the young men who was a shepherd just stepped aside and made a certain kind of warble with his voice. Strange kind of noise. And when he did, a certain number of sheep came out of the cave and went towards that shepherd. The rest belonged to the second. I also heard a story about um, a soldier who was occupying a particular section uh, in Israel who had decided that the village needed to be punished for not giving the taxes that uh, the government had demanded of them. And so the commander took all the sheep from the village and erected a barrier and put the sheep inside that barrier. Every sheep in the village mixed in together. And one woman came to him and pled with him, and she said, that's my source of income, my life. My husband is dead. It's all I have. Can I please have my sheep? And the commander just laughed at her. He said, how could you know your sheep? among all those hundreds that I have captured. She said, will you just give me a chance? He laughed again and gave her a chance, and she called her young son, and he pulled out of his cloak a little flute, and he started playing a tune. And when he did, a certain number of sheep left that huge fold and followed him and him alone. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd. If you hear his voice, if you hear my voice, Jesus says, follow me. Not only does the shepherd know his sheep, Jesus said, God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you intimately. But the shepherd not only knows his sheep, he provides for his sheep. He gives them everything they need. Frequently, shepherds would take their sheep far away from the village where they were, and they would give them pasture out in the desert areas where they knew there were particular patches of grass. And while gone for a lengthy period of time, they had to put their sheep in pens. And sometimes those pens were makeshift pens where they would take brush and build a large fence around them and put briars on top. Sometimes they were a cave, and at the entrance of the cave, the same thing would happen that happened at the entrance of this brush embankment. The shepherd would lie down and become the door for the sheep pen. No sheep could leave it without stepping over the shepherd, and no one who wished to harm them could harm them without passing over the shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I provide for my sheep. I protect my sheep. It's also true that um, in Israel, in the Middle East in general, but especially in Israel, 
the entire land that is fertile is surrounded by desert. So if we were to take a look from a satellite photo, you might see large strips of green land and around them desert. Now the green land does not have enough for all these sheep. And so at particular times of the year, especially when the rain was heavy and the desert went into bloom, it was typical for shepherds to take their sheep into the wilderness to feed them. And they knew where to take them. But there were precipices in this wilderness, things that would be gorges a thousand feet deep. And the shepherd had to protect his sheep and provide for his sheep wherever they went. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and I provide for my sheep. The good shepherd, he said, also protects his sheep. A hireling, a person who's a shepherd for hire, he doesn't know his sheep by name. And when a predator comes, he'll run. But not the good shepherd, says Jesus. Surely they must have thought of that story of David and Saul. You remember that story? David is going to Saul and he's saying, I can take on this giant and let me tell you why. Because I'm a shepherd. And when my sheep were attacked by a wolf or a lion or a bear, I went out and I took care of them. I am their shepherd. And I can be the shepherd of Israel. I can take down this giant. It also must have reminded them of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. And in that valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever because you are my good shepherd. And a good shepherd protects his sheep. There are occasions where some who have followed the good shepherd have given us remarkable illustrations of what the Good Shepherd was like. In 1939, uh, Nazi Germany invaded their first major invasion that turned into World War II, and it was Poland. When they invaded Poland, there was at least one Catholic priest in a village who did his best to shepherd the people in spite of the conflict that was coming. Every day, this Polish priest began his day with a little sort of keyhole desk in his apartment. And he would pray, and he would do his work, and he would write. The underground of the Polish resistance got word to this Polish priest, whose name was Father Kolbe, that he had been targeted by the Nazi regime, and they were going to come and take him to a concentration camp. Father Kolbe could have run. He could have gotten away. That was the point of the resistance army letting him know of his pending doom, but he chose not to. And he waited day after day and ministered to his sheep, his flock, in that village. And one day they rolled up on their large trucks. He knew they were coming, and he just continued to sit at his desk until they arrived. And they took him into captivity, eventually at Auschwitz. And while in captivity his health declined, he wasn't that young to begin with, but his health continued to decline. He was known as a, as a shepherd there as well. 
bringing the sacraments and the grace and peace of Jesus Christ to those folks. On one particular occasion, it happened more than once, um, there were sirens that went off, there were lights that came up at night, and there were dogs that bayed because a prisoner tried to escape. And on that particular night, when the silence came, the next day they expected what they were going to see, and that was the prisoner standing at the gallows in the area of the common ground for the prisoners. And they would make a spectacle of them, an example of them, and they would hang them slowly, suffocating their life, to deter any other prisoners who wished to leave. On that morning when they awoke after um, the escape, they found that there was no prisoner in the common ground. The commandant and officers stood there, and it became apparent that the prisoner had actually escaped successfully. And so the officer looked at all the men who were there on that day and said, yes, he got away, but today the punishment is different. Ten of you are going to die because of him. And they went along the line, one after another, not naming names, but numbers, 10336, until they got through all ten of them. One of them was a rather young man, and when picked from that group, he just groaned. He said, oh, my wife and my children, what will they do? As they brought the men forward, there was a weak voice from behind the rest who said, can I speak to you? The officer sometimes would have abused such a man, but he let him come forward. It was Father Kobe. He said, what do you want? He said, I want to die in the place of one of these men. Which one, he said. That one, Father Kobe said. The one who had groaned about his wife and his children. For whatever reason... The commandant granted him his request. And he said, fine, come forward. You go back. Father Kobe and the prisoners were put in confinement, a sort of solitary confinement. In confinement, the punishment was that they would be starved to death. No food and no water. It happened over and over again, and they knew what it was like because of the cries of the men of starvation would go long into the night for day after day after day. But on this occasion, a strange thing happened. The men who were in confinement began to sing. And they sang, and they sang, and they sang until they had no life to sing anymore. The medical officer, doctor in charge, was charged to go in and find the prisoners that were left. When he went in to find prisoners who were left, he would take a syringe, inject it into their arm to finish them off if they weren't all the way gone. When he went in, he found Father Kobe leaning up against the wall. He had a strange smile on his face. He was looking up to his right as if he could see a vision. He was alive. He was well. He was in the presence of the good shepherd. They injected him and he died immediately. And they were all gone. Why did they sing night after night? Because they had a shepherd who was walking with them through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what's interesting about shepherds? 
the good ones? It's that image you just heard. They give themselves for their sheep. I wonder what they must have thought when they first heard this from Jesus. They couldn't have understood it. The crucifixion hadn't taken place. The resurrection hadn't taken place. But in retrospect, they, like us, understand what is a good shepherd. Oh, you know, I want to end with a picture. It's my favorite picture of Jesus, the good shepherd. There's a lot of reasons I like it. One is because you can't see the face of Jesus in that picture. So I'm not tempted to decide what Jesus looked like (laughs) and make my own assumptions of his cultural image. The other reason I like it is because, well, I'm in the picture. I'm the sheep. It happens all the time. Sheep aren't self-sufficient. They've got to have a shepherd. Sheep wander, it's their nature just like that one. They think they can find better, greener pastures and they go to their own destruction. And the shepherd, no matter, pursues them in any place to bring them back. He protects them. He feeds them. He provides for their needs. And if need be, and he did. He lays down his life for them. That's the image of Jesus. When you think of that image, when you realize who Jesus is, how could you help but follow him? And just remember this. His ways are always perfect and perfectly good. He has your best interest in mind. And when you want to stray away to another green pasture, don't Do it, because the good shepherd who laid down his life is leading you. And when you stray, it's likely that that's the image. He'll come after you. Just come back. He's waiting. I know the new year has already started, and last week was the first Sunday of it. But as we look ahead to Jesus' journey to the cross, and we look ahead to this new year, I just want to remind you that you and I have a good shepherd, and he's worthy of us following him. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and you lay down your life for your sheep. We also thank you, Lord, that you know our days. You know every circumstance of our life, what we have gone through. You know our weaknesses. You know, the challenges we are now facing and the ones that we will face. And you know, there will come times, Lord, well, we might call them a breaking point where we feel we can no longer follow or we feel that the place you're calling us to does not seem good. But Lord, give us the strength, the fortitude, and the wisdom to follow you. Because we know, Lord, that even in the valley of the shadow of death, you'll be with us. And when we walk through that real life valley of the shadow of death, and when we actually experience death, because you're a good shepherd, 
that death is an entrance into life. Help us, Lord, to believe that every day and to follow you wholeheartedly and to inherit the life that you long to give us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Will you please stand?